This is the Shift Podcast. Our guests do include journeyman welder Rachel Bonnet. She's from Kamloops. She tells us about her experience on Rust Valley Restorers, plus her experience as a woman working in the trades and what she likes to create. It's pretty cool. Are you okay as part of the Shift Daily Podcast as well? Are you okay with a misogynist preacher, a secret room in your bathroom behind the mirror that somebody could spy at you? And how about failing at school from grade 12 back to grade 9? Tech guy Handy Andy Barrar explains what the heck an NFT is and how companies are taking advantage of it. Plus, we also have, uh, in case you missed it, with uh, Shift producer Ryan O'Donnell with a misogynistic whopper, the burger, by the way. <laughs> Don't go there. And a ridiculous Pringle, too. It's the Shift Daily Podcast. All of our friends in Kamloops, you have a famous person in your, in your, in your neighborhood. Um, Rachel Bonnet, 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 you put the Bonnet. Bonnet. Damn it. You put the emphasis on a different syllable than I would. So it's your name. So I got to figure it out. Um, Rachel is in Kamloops and Rachel is a welder. And I thought it particularly interesting when we, uh, when I looked at your Facebook page and it says, um, I can fix your jet boat and your ironing board all in one day. Yeah, I thought that's pretty good. That's really kind of true. Um, Rachel, you are a welder. So as we get uh, into the storyline of the TV stuff that you've been up to, uh, tell me w- why you're a welder. Uh, well, I think in high school, I I kind of just wasn't doing so great in all my classes. And I started taking all the shop classes, you know, woodwork, metalwork, mechanics, auto body, all of it. And I just had such an inspirational shop teacher. And he was, he treated me so good. He was really encouraging and and helped me build a little bit of confidence in, in realizing that I'm a person that needs to move. I'm a busybody. I, I like that side of what it is that I do. And you know, I just, I hopped right into it right out of high school. And I remember standing in front of my town in, oh gosh, it would have been about 2000 telling everybody in a Miss Oliver pageant that I was going to be a welder when I grew up. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Hey, yeah. So 20 years later, here I am doing exactly what I said I would. So wow, pretty cool. I was in your, uh, your uh, hometown uh, just this past summer for the first time. Ah, and what a beautiful uh, little pocket that is in the world, isn't it? It's so beautiful. I loved growing up in Oliver and my family's all still down there. Uh, my mom and my dad and my sister owns a orchard down there. So I'm down there lots in the summer, picking peaches and <laughs> doing all the thing. Doing all the um, things. I, I would lose my, uh, I would lose my respect of our, our pal Ursula who listens out of Oliver uh, all the time and calls into the show and has invited us to come down to visit. So uh, oh. that would definitely be um, a cool uh Cool. If you've never been to Oliver, well, Penticton in general, and then south of Oliver or south to Oliver, um, it's just one of the most beautiful, tiny little pockets of Canada, let alone British Columbia. Absolutely beautiful. So you're in, um, you're in Kamloops now, and you ended up, uh, you ended up on the Rust Valley Restorers TV show. Hey, I did. I did. I had a, uh, a buddy of mine that that I went to school with and kind of had chatted with him over the the few years of me building my business. And he was really helpful with my business side of things. And one day he sent me a message saying, Hey, I have a bunch of work to do on the show. I, I need a, another fabricator. And would you be interested? And I jumped on it right away. Cause I thought 
course, that'd be so cool. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and he was, he's, he's a super awesome guy, a really awesome fabricator, really creative. It was, it was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up. <laughs> so how was TV for you? If you go from, you know, uh, your Miss Oliver pageant, um, <laughs> going to be a welder and now you are a welder and a couple decades later, now you're on TV kind of doing the other part of it too. Did you like it? Uh, I did. It was a lot to get used to. I'm, I'm not the most graceful person at most of times. And so trying to not be overly awkward while a camera is on me and, and for not being used to having a camera on me ever, I, you know, they had to remind me, stop looking into the camera, you know, stop, stop this, stop that. And so it took a little while, but I guess you just get, once I get in my workflow and I actually am, am working and moving, then you kind of forget that they're there. So it took a little while to get used to, but everybody there was so good to work with and, and they're all so helpful. And, and it was a, it was a neat experience. What kind of projects did you get to work on, on the TV show? Can you tell us that? Oh, I can tell you not much because it's not come up just yet, but, That's what I thought. uh, but just, uh, restoring some old, some old cars and also doing some fun projects, uh, for some, some fun races and stuff like that, that we got to work on, but doing a lot of the fab work on old cars is something I haven't done really. And so it was, it was all new for me. So James was really awesome in in teaching me a lot of new tools within my trade. I mean, I've been doing this a really long time, but there's always things to learn. There's always new tools, always new, new parts of it. So it was a really neat experience uh, having him show me the ways of the car restoration world. <laughs> there's lots to it. Yeah, that's cool. I, that's something that I wish I had done. Um, I I went the carpentry route, and in hindsight, I mean, I like that, but really, you know, the the metalwork and and all of that fabrication stuff is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Pretty cool stuff, and I, I think I've fallen in love with it because of TV shows like uh, like the Rust Valley Restorers as well. It's 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 neat stuff. So you have your business. You don't just do. Um, you know, the jet boat and the ironing board. I mean, you do some quite nice, uh, I would say artwork as well as, um, some practical everyday angle iron type frame stuff. So what's it like to be a welder that doesn't just do pipelines? Cause I mean, you could go make a boatload of money sitting there on a line all day, you know, waiting for your x-rays to be done, cranking out pipeline welds. Um, and that would be a great, easy way to make a ton of money and have a live a great life and make a wonderful living but you've chosen to sort of do this in the small business realm instead yeah well I think I so like I said I've been doing this for 20 years I've done so many different aspects of what it is that I do um but I think being a mom first and foremost was what wanted was the biggest reason that I wanted to be able to do it from home but also just realizing that the the monotonous uh, repetitive jobs weren't for me that, you know, I could take really long time, hard surfacing a bucket in a construction site, but then I'd get the crack, the whip, you're going too slow, but I'd say, but look how pretty this looks. And, and so just kind of realizing that, that, that Avenue wasn't for me. And I just, I started, you know, playing around with horseshoes and scrap steel and, and just realizing how I liked making things out of nothing. Like you could take a pile of of scrap steel and turn it into something functional or beautiful and something that people would want to have in their homes. And that's what I loved doing. And maybe cars in the future. And maybe cars, but you know, I'm not limited to, I don't like to limit myself to anything. Like you have a, you have any, any sort of idea or project or, you know, headache racks. I do hand railing. 
um, custom tables, signs, any, any kind of thing. I just like, I like to be able to do it all because every day is something different and every day is a challenge of, you know, something I didn't do the day before. And I just love that aspect about my little business. Headache racks, first of all, just let's just call it what it is. That's a misnomer. (laughs) (laughs) Headache racks are the racks that go behind a pickup truck to make sure that the the payload doesn't go through the window. And (laughs) because it's a hell of a lot more than a headache if it does, but um, it's a very gentle (laughs) term for those who don't know what they are. Uh, Rachel, (laughs) what's it like? um, What's it like being a woman in a trade in today's world? I mean, I think that the invitation would be there based on your enthusiasm for more women to look into even welding as a trade because you don't have to just do pipelines all day. You can make, to your words, pretty things if that's what you like to do or cars or repairs. Um, What's it what's it like to to what's the invitation to women for for the trades? Well, it's it's funny you ask that because just today I had a young girl that's in grade 12. Um, she got, she got passed over to me by one of her teachers and just asking that exact question, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about becoming a welder. What is, what, what can you share with me? And, and it's neat being able to share with women, the experience I had 20 years ago versus what it is now and how, how much different things are now. I remember walking into the trades building, being one of two girls in the entire trades building at TRU and just how nervous I was. And you just walk into a group of men and, and, you know, hope for the best. And it was, it was a struggle and, and just hoping that I can share with girls a little bit about what that experience was for me. So they know what to expect. Cause I didn't have that. And that, I mean, it made me who I am today. And so I can't, I can't be too upset about it, but at the same time, there was a lot of challenges back then compared to what there is now. They offer so many programs. They offer, you know, so many grants and loans for women in trades. And I love that. And I love going into the trades building now and just seeing how many women are in one class, let alone the whole building. And I think it's becoming a lot, a lot more prominent for women to be choosing a trades path. And I, I think that's so amazing because I think we do need more women to be out there and to be confident and comfortable in what is so-called a man's, a man's world. And sure, it, it still kind of is. And when you go out there and you just kind of realizing that and how you have to be as a woman to walk in and still be confident and be like, yes, I'm a woman, but I can still do this. And I can do this just as good as you can. And and this is why I'm here. And just knowing that breaking down a few doors and, and rocking at it. And I think that so many women are going to be able to do that. And I love that. I can feel, um, I can feel the confidence, right? In that, like I can feel the the power that that you share with that, and I, it does make me curious. It makes me curious where that comes from. That it, it's possible that at the beginning of it, it wasn't always that way, and and I'm curious that, um, you know, when you do family events, and you know, you did say that you know you were in the Miss Oliver pageant, so I'm assuming you like to get dressed up from time to time, and go do those things. Well, I also wore a pair of steel-toed boots at most of the pageants that I went to, See, and I kind of awesome. did it for my mom than anything else because she I just kind that. of pushed me into that. And I yeah. had two older sisters, so I just kind of I was stuck between you know what they yeah. were like and what I wanted to be, and I think I kind of found that mix in between. You can still be a girl, and you can still do a trade, and you know, uh, there's you nothing. Like, to- you can like pretty things and be a welder. I think that that's exactly. very fair. Exactly. Um, what's it like for you? Has it changed in the way that when you meet people at those, those moments, right. Where 
people might look at you and say, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a welder. And like, get out of here. Right. Like, I mean, I'm assuming those moments, those moments have happened. If, if I'm wrong, then that's great. Um, oh, absolutely happened. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how, is that where the power comes from is where you walk into that and saying, you know, you know damn right. So I'm a welder. I think I just made it kind of an automated, automated response now from because of how many times I've had that said to me. And it's just like, yeah, I am a welder. And the, I don't, I don't actually add much more to that because they're, that's just what it is for me. And for doing this for so long and it just, it hasn't, it hasn't really changed, hasn't changed my view on myself. I'm still a normal person. And it's just, I do a different job than, you know, she might do. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much all there is to it. I haven't let it be a big thing. I've never let it be a big deal because I don't believe that it is. I believe it just is what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's remarkable. I find that incredibly remarkable. Um, that's a lot of work that I think a lot of us try to get to, to just, uh, to get to that place in general. Um, yeah. and I mean, my experience of that, when you say that is, is, is quite powerful. I don't know if you, um, I don't know if you know that, like, well, thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> what are your, uh, what are your favorite things to create then? Well, my absolute favorite things are just creating, you know, maybe, I've built a lot of tables out of nuts and bolts and washers and tools and, and customizing them a little bit. I remember this, I did a craft fair way back when, and this little old lady comes up and she goes, Oh, I just love this table. You know, my husband passed away and I have all of this stuff of his. And I said, well, why don't I come to your house? I'll collect some of the things that you have. Cause she didn't want to throw it away. I'll collect some things. And then I did that and I built her a table of all of the items that her late husband had collected over the years that she couldn't bear to part with. And it, I, I customized it just for her, for her space out of all of these things. So she didn't have to get rid of it. And it, it meant something to her. She could look at every little wrench and every little, every little ax head that was involved in this table and knew that it meant something to her to have all of these pieces of him in a place in her own home. So she felt a little more comfortable to get rid of the other things. And I think I really like making things for people who want to give something to someone that really means something to them. That's so customized. Like this is what this person likes. Uh, This is their name. Like whether it's gun racks to hold an antique gun that someone's grandfather gave them, you know, those kinds of things. I like to do things for people that have meaning and sentiment and purpose. It sounds like an invitation to collect more junk. (laughs) It's terrible. I, I collect so much junk. I have a greenhouse that's just full of, you know, scrap tools and the side of the house is all scrap steel and chains and all this kind of thing. So, yeah. Oh, that's fun. I, uh, I think it's remarkable. And, um, you know, just to sort of share that confidence part of the story, I think you answered a bunch of my questions when, when you said that, right? Like yeah. how, uh, you know, you, it just is what it is. And isn't that the, the, the sort of ideal place we'd want to get to is to just be able to just get to the world where, well, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I love it. Would you do more TV stuff given the chance? Uh, you know, it was a lot of work and I think it was the the erraticness of it was pretty, pretty difficult over the times of it, but I would do it. I would definitely do it. And I, and I, I want, I want women to, to have the confidence that I feel in what it is that I do. And I think that I can, I can offer that to some women and, and I would love to be able to see that out there a little bit more and, Plus I love what I do. And so doing stuff like that and it, it's, it was a real fun for me for sure. I would do it again. Oh, it's beautiful. 
Um, the third season of Rust Valley Restores with a connection uh, to Rachel Bonnet. Bonnet? Bonnet. Bonnet. Yeah. Bonnet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, who's in Kamloops. What's the name of your business and, and what's the website? If anybody has that sort of pile of stuff that you want, uh, that they want well, to create something it. unique out of. Yeah. Um, well, my business name is, is country custom fabricating. Um, and I'm, I'm on like Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm always happy to collect people's junk. <laughs> Put it into something. It's not junk in something. my eyes. Yeah. It's not junk. You can see the beauty behind the pile of junk. Exactly. I can. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, reach out to Rachel and, um, and, uh, and, and say hi. That's for sure. It's fantastic. Look forward to seeing the episodes. Well, thank you um, so much. Yeah. Exciting. And uh, love to keep in touch and, and see um, how we can talk about the amazing things that you create here. I know it's radio, so it's hard to show off mm-hmm. uh, really cool custom coat racks and all the fun things you do out of horseshoes, but um, mm-hmm. it, it would be really great to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. Big time today. Thanks so much. Rachel Bonnet. Okay, so if you want to find her, the Facebook page is probably the easiest way to find Rachel. Uh, she's in Kamloops from Oliver. Country Custom Fabricating is the name of the uh, business on Facebook. You can see her there and see her work. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with marriage advice? I suppose so. Um I've only been married for 13 months, so I guess <laughs> marriage advice would be good if something really just terrible were to happen. I don't know. Well, you have uh, you have first anniversary marriage advice. Yeah, get a get a gift next time, doofus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got called out in that See, one. See, there's there's I mean marriage advice. What about you, Ryan? Do you have marriage advice? Well, I'm not married, uh, so there's that. I do. I hope to be married someday, but I think as long as it's not like uh, condescending or really like, let me tell you what you should be doing because I know what's best kind of advice, like really heartfelt, like I hear what you're saying. Let me try to give you advice if you want it. And I'll be like, yeah, sure. Or I'll be like, no, back away, foul demon. So yeah, I don't know. I we will see when it happens, I guess. Do you, uh, do you have any marriage advice, Shane? I do. Uh, I'm divorced. So that either makes me an expert or the worst ever. <laughs> hey, you know, like if you've been there, then you've been there. You've learned things along the way. 10 bucks is 10 bucks. 10 bucks is 10 bucks. Yeah, I do. I totally do. Uh, I will save mine, though, uh, after this Are You Okay story. A Missouri pastor is on leave after he gave a sermon that many people say was sexist, misogynistic, and inappropriate. Here's an example of his advice. According to CBS 46, there's a lot of numbers in these news stations in the States, eh? Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is CBS 1,242. Play that first clip here. Trust me. Play that first clip here. That's where it's supposed to go. Needs an attractive wife. Hockey player said? Whoa. He said, I married a trophy wife, but now she looks like the Stanley Cup. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. Whoa. That's the... thing was 20 minutes long and that was like the second line in the whole thing oh i guess open okay. with the strongest material first that's <laughs> worse. okay so okay so i'll just keep reading then right now um yep. pastor Stuart allen clark took a leave of absence after receiving widespread criticism for a sermon given in late february in his sermon he explained that women need to lose weight and submit to the sexual desires of their husbands to keep them from straying 
He also said wives need to wear makeup, dress nicely, have nice hair, and appear less butch. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, Clark also claimed this topic is so important that a friend of his has put a weight limit on his wife before he would divorce her. <laughs> what? Yep. The church released a statement Monday saying Clark's sermon was not consistent uh, with what they're they're doing there. So let's let's hear the second clip. Hey, here's something you need to know. You need to know this. Men have a need for their women to look like women. Hey, sweatpants don't cut it all the time, huh? Wearing flip-flops and, and uh, pajamas to Walmart, ah, that ain't going to work. Ain't nothing attractive about that. It ain't. And, and when men want their wives to look good at home and in public. Can I get an amen? Uh, no amen. And I can tell you from no per- amen. I can tell you from personal experience, I've seen a lot of dudes in sweatpants in public. So, <laughs> well, can we let's call it for what it is. First of all, men put zero effort. I woke up like this. I mean, men put zero effort into even staying clean most days, let alone looking nice. Yep. So that's all crap. I can't believe like you would even say that. That sounds I, it's like insane. Uh, Right. There's there's a clip in there. I forgot to grab it, and I'm kind of kicking myself for it. But he says, "Not everybody can have a trophy wife like Melania Trump. Not everybody can be Melania Trump." And then he 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 goes on to basically just say that like, uh, it's women. If if your husband leaves you, it's your fault because you look ugly. It's 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 actually quite shocking to hear a priest or a pastor so confidently say this and have you mm-hmm. know you could tell. By the vibe of the audience, half of them were like, uh, and the other half were like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> and that's the sad right. part. It, it sounds to me like he's doing his nightclub routine at, yep. in church. Like It does sound like a stand-up routine, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Like a bad, bad stand-up routine from the early 80s, maybe. Uh, Dwayne exactly. says, is that pastor living in 2021 or 1921? Uh, what a clown. Um. That is the stupidest thing I've heard in a really long time. I can't believe that that's actually a thing. So I want, has he been divorced yet in this or? I don't know. I'm curious what his wife says. I couldn't find any personal information about his, his marriage, but do you think he just got mad at his wife when he woke up because she was wearing sweatpants and said, I'm going to preach about this. How do you the, the preach topic pool is getting a little dry when that's what you're coming to work with. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Texter says, I find my partner at her sexiest when she's wearing a baggy T-shirt and her hair is messy. I think so, too. I, I always think that, um, you know, the, the the less, the more natural, man, the, the better that all of our all of us look, you know. And I think that to I know that the women that I've, you know, that I have in my life will always compliment me when I feel like it's the, the you know, the dumbest. You come in and your hair is brushed and you're wearing a nice shirt and it's, you know, it's like, oh, hey, how's it going? But if you come in just being like supernatural and smiling and laughing and just being yourself, man or woman, um, then then those are when the compliments come and people say, oh, man, you look really great today. And you're like, what? You're I haven't showered yourself. for four days. I'm on a COVID shower cycle here. Um, it's all in the confidence. It is. It's about just being natural, man. I, I'm just not a fan of the, the fake. So I guess that I don't buy into this and I don't buy into that guy. Yeah. I almost actually, part of me is like, that was, I wish we wouldn't even have played it, but we have to play it in order to prove it. But that's just, that's, that's insane. That, that misery pastor needs some new material. 
Yeah, well, I'm guessing he's going to have a chance to go looking for a new wife someday soon, um, based on that, because that would take an awful lot of forgiveness. Holy. Hopefully wing nut. too. Another text. Yeah, that's a leader. That's a leader leading a community, friends. Um, and how mm. dare he use the Stanley Cup in a joke like that? Yeah. Not okay. Right? You leave the... that cup alone. Yeah. That is the most sacred trophy in sports. Don't you dare use it in a joke like that. How dare you? It's for beer and celebrating only. Not like that. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay with your bathroom? Um. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a little small, but I get a lot of thinking done there. Are you okay? Hmm. Are you Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I just got an idea. Okay. Are you okay with clowns? Uh, <laughs> I uh, I feel like clowns are basically nightmare fuel. So no. Yeah, I'm, I don't love I don't love clowns. No. I like the Joker. Okay. That's a cool character. No. Yeah. No. Uh, a New York City woman discovered a hole behind her bathroom mirror, leading to a very odd secret room. Maybe it's not a mirror. Maybe it actually is a clown in the mirror. Nightmare when you go to bed. The nighttime you get up to pee. Squeaky, squeaky. There's a clown in the mirror. <laughs> Videos her of her solving the mystery and making the unsettling discovery have gone viral on TikTok. A hidden room behind her bathroom mirror. Here's more from NBC4. Let me show you what I found in my New York City bathroom. Part mystery. Look at it. They blow in. Part comedy. So I start searching. I start Samantha Hartso searched for the source of cold air in her Roosevelt Island bathroom. The air is coming from the mirror. Captivating nearly 8 million viewers on TikTok. The moment of truth as she removes the vanity mirror. There was a hole. Hartso recorded the discovery and what came next in four videos. There's a room back there. Cliffhangers punctuating her creepy find. I have to go in. I can't not know. I can't not know what's on the other side of my bathroom. The videos recorded Wednesday and Thursday show her climbing through the narrow hole. Oh, your hip's not going to make it. <laughs> but she does, despite her roommate's concern. Armed with a hammer, she goes on an investigation. Every corner, I would, I would like walk normal and be like, just a check. But she found the unfinished apartment on the other side of the hole empty of people and spirits. Her search at an end. My roommates definitely thought I was going to end up dead. Like, <laughs> like when I came back, they were very excited. <laughs> a whole apartment? Is it hidden? Why was that there? That's so That's weird. A nightmare waiting yeah. to happen. Right? Am I right? Can I get an amen? I, yeah. Amen. Yes, you can get an amen for that. It's a, it's a clown-filled nightmare waiting to happen. Sounds like my last landlord was a perv. Punctuation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, who? Why is there a hole behind the mirror? That means someone's looking. It's just weird because it, that's where the apartment's connected was the bathroom and somebody yeah, was but... uh, clearly using it. And then when she went in, like I watched the video, it looked like nobody had been in that apartment, the hidden one in like 10 years. It looked wow, disheveled and dusty. Like it was empty. It was barren. It was wild. That's, 
someone had to be looking through the like it must be like a you know a a mirror that you can see through the other side. I don't know, but it's really creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> right? I mean, she's got like a good she's got a good sense of humor about it. Eight million right. people have watched it. Um, yeah, but I don't even like I. I can't believe that that's just like they're chalking it up to possible boredom. But the like, oh, that's creepy. That is, you get what I mean by the clown in the mirror? You go imagine like you're walking in the nighttime. It's dark. You're groggy. Hey, little pee. And you walk by your mirror. Clown! Die. 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 Tell me, ooh, I give me shivers. I hate clowns and as a kid, always Stephen will. Creepy. King. I find clowns as funny as a toothache. I hate clowns as much as I hate snakes. <laughs> There's a lot of hate. There's an awful lot of clown hating going on on the text line. That's creepy stuff, man. Ooh, like it gives me shivers. I'm actually having shivers right now. Are you okay? Are you okay with school? I mean that's where all the learning is done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you get what you get what you need done. I mean, some schools are better than others. I loved my college experience. I loved my high school experience, but I hated elementary. So, but in general, yeah, as long as it's done right. Yeah, education is important. So yeah, school is uh, where you can learn how to talk good. Huh. Um, Stay in school, folks. Thank you. Mm -hmm. The irony in this, uh, I cannot forgive. An investigation from Fox 5 found that a school in Baltimore is failing hundreds odd students. That's a typo. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Good one. Well done. (laughs) It's an are you okay about school? And it has a typo. (laughs) That's how bad this is. (laughs) Raising the bar. I never claimed to be an expert in grammar. Um, so, yeah, I'm okay with it. Damn! It's a school where a student who passed three classes in four years ranks near the top half of his class with a 0.13 grade point average. Here's the clip. This coming June is when Tiffany France thought her son would receive his diploma. And I'm just trying to fight. He like, Mom, what, what was all this for? But after four years of high school, this mom just learned her 17-year-old has to start over. He's been moved back to ninth grade. Why would he do three more years in school? He didn't fail. The school failed him. France's son attends Augusta Fell Savage Institute of Visual Arts in West Baltimore. His transcripts show in four years, he has passed just three classes, earning two and a half credits, which places him in ninth grade. But France says she didn't know that until February. She has three children and works three jobs. She thought her oldest son was doing well because even though he failed most of his classes, he was being promoted. His transcripts show he failed Spanish 1 and Algebra 1, but was promoted to Spanish 2 and Algebra 2. He also failed English 2, but was passed on to English 3. Okay, well, that doesn't add up. But to the mo- for the mom to say that I thought he was doing well, 
here's the numbers. That student's first three years at the school, he failed 22 classes and he was late or absent for 272 days. <laughs> oh, wow. Come on, mom. Gonna have to plug in here. In those three years, only one teacher requested a parent conference, um, which uh, the mom said never happened. That's a big well, problem. That's a problem. And is this kid just like Ferris Bueller on steroids? Like every day he comes up with a new way to skip class? Like what right. the... I, but I feel bad. Like that's... Th- this kid is... Sh- at my age, when I was done at 17, I was ready to go to the next step in my life. He has to start all over at grade nine. That's horrible. Um. Well, it yeah. And what a surprise for mom. Mom's thinking that she's free and clear on this, right? Uh, mom thinks that she's like, my kids are moving out. Um and everything else. Now, since you brought up Ferris Bueller, it would only be appropriate, right? Do you remember that when he sang that on the on the float? Oh, love that movie. <laughs> Somehow his dad didn't see him, but yeah. Nice. Love it. <sighs> Are you okay? Okay. Um, text comes in about the clown. Steve says it wasn't a two-way mirror. Actually, a two-way mirror is called a window. Ah. A one-way mirror would be where you can see one way, and a mirror would be where you can not see either way. Just to clarify that one. Um, School is amazing. I listen to talk radio at night because I can always learn something new. Oh, God, you have set a standard that we will never live into. (laughs) 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 Uh, My girlfriend likes it when I dress up as a scary clown when we... Whoa! Okay. Nope. (laughs) That's a lot of info. Uh, I do wish I had a clown horn. I don't have a horn. Mirror, mirror. <laughs> that would have been perfect timing. I need to get a mirror, mirror horn. Yeah. I feel for that teenager in school. The problem is not at school. It's it's at home. I, I would disagree. I, the problem is clearly at home. The problem is clearly with the school, not uh, making sure. I mean, the grade point average of the, the class is terrible. And not only that. Imagine that, like, hey, I'm going to graduate this year. What college are you going to? I don't know, man. I think we're going back to grade nine. <laughs> what? That puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Holy. It's the Shift Podcast. Well, we got to bring Andy in the conversation. I'm just excited to do this. <laughs> this is Andy music, isn't it? Yeah, I like this. You know I what do I mean? like this music. I, I imagine Andy Barrar skipping. Right, skipping I would along. Definitely skip to this. In his his fifteen pound skipping rope, whatever he does now. There, see, a couple of glow sticks. That's a little new funk, isn't it? That doesn't even feel so disco funk. Cause it's got a little bit of a new funk flair to it. I like that. Well done. All right, Andy Barrara is here. He's handy, Andy, Andy, uh, handy, Andy Media. Um, Andy, uh, you need to update us on what happened with your internet last week on the show. Um, I'm going to call it like it is. Andy was stealing internet from his neighbors in order to make yeah. uh, his house work because he broke the internet. So 
um, I think that it would be only safe to uh, say, did you get caught by the police or did you get your internet fixed? What came first? Uh, I didn't get caught by the police and I did get my internet fixed. So all in all, everything worked out. Um, it was a crazy situation. Basically, uh, to let the listeners know, I upgraded my internet package and my ISP forgot to tell me that I needed a new modem. And so when that faster internet was supposed to come, I basically lost all my internet. And then I had to uh, basically MacGyver a solution by by literally stealing, well, not stealing, it's borrowing, stealing. borrowing <laughs> my neighbor's internet using a variety of different tech tools, but mainly the one that was working was this adapter called a power line adapter. And it allows you to take an internet signal and go through the electrical outlets in your house so that you could bring the internet like from a wired connection from one plug to another one. And from there, I used an extension cord and brought it into my backyard and then set up my, my, my router in my greenhouse because that was the closest covered area I could get. And lo and behold, I did restore internet for that one week as that router was getting, or that modem was getting shipped. Shane, I'm telling you, it was a Hail Mary tech solution and it yeah. worked. And it's creative. I, I mean, it's I, illegal, but it's creative. Oh, <laughs> yes. And it's opened up a lot yes. of more possibilities that we talked it about. Did. Yes. We so did. now. I'll just tell everybody. I'm going to tell all of Canada what I'm about why to not? do. Because let's why not? If we're going to break the law, let's do it in front of everybody. I, I might as well just tell everybody because <laughs> I don't know if it's breaking the law. I think it's so gray that it, I could probably get away with it. But if anything, it's being, breaking terms of use. But okay. Well, okay. So being a tech guy, and I'm very, I have a weird fascination with networking equipment, and it's all because. For years, we had dead spots in our home, and I was always trying to solve that. How do I get rid of a dead spot in the garage or in the basement? So I've come to be very well uh, versed in networking equipment. And what I'm going to do is create the mother of all Wi-Fi networks, like the neighborhood block Wi-Fi, and, and see if I could create a Wi-Fi co-op where I get the fastest internet. And then some of my neighbors, I'm like, you know, instead of paying... 60 or $80 a month. Why don't you just uh, chip in into my internet and we could all share this massive Wi-Fi network that I'm going to create with this uh, new speed that I have. I don't know if it's legal, Shane. I have no, no idea. I don't think the telcos are going to be very happy with me. Probably but not. I'm going to do it anyways, just because that's the kind of stuff I do during a pandemic when you're staying at home. You might as well create the mother of all Wi-Fi networks. Hey man, it's capitalism at its best. You you go get your your money. You're like the Airbnb of internet. No, I want to be the Robin Hood of internet. See, as long as I don't take money and I give that Wi-Fi away, and I could actually lock it down so like you can't go on like nefarious websites, but like Wikipedia, maybe some YouTube. Um, you know, I could probably set that up and then just let people log on and and find the knowledge online. The Robin Hood of idea. the internet. Yeah. <laughs> the Robin Hood of the internet. It's a crazy like idea, this. Shane. But right, I might well, pull good. it off. I'm, I was I, already looking online for the for the kind of equipment I'm going to need. But it's like yeah. the same stuff hotels use mm -hmm. on multi-floors to create that Wi-Fi network. I'm just going to do it on a neighborhood level. I guess that, that's all grid mesh stuff, I suppose, hey? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So 
It's coming. Grid, grid mesh stuff allows you to go from router to router to router without it, basically without interrupting your your signal. It's kind of a handoff. So it's kind yeah, of cool it's kind of like it's kind of like the tower systems that we have for our mobile networks, except yep, just at a smaller scale. Yeah, interesting stuff. All right. Well, um, <laughs> ironically, we have a topic around technology and laws, which is kind of funny. Um, but let's start with the uh, let's start with NFT because this came up in a conversation with me today personally. Uh, NFTs, it's around crypto uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, of course, being the most prominent of them all. What is an NFT, and and why is everybody so excited to spend their money on it? It's funny, hey Shane. Just out of nowhere, NFTs have just become like this this thing. I see them everywhere, and um, they've been around for a couple of years. Essentially, this is what it is. What they're trying to do is find a way that you could own something that's digital. Now, this could be a video clip. It could be an image. And, and they're kind of like if, like trading cards. If you remember when I grew up, I had hockey cards and me and my friends, mm -hmm. we would trade cards and then certain cards would get value. Essentially what they're doing is NFT is what it's called non-fungible tokens. And this is just a, almost like a currency of buying digital goods. So you could actually own, you know, a, a 10 second art clip. And this is great for artists because artists have been trying to figure out a way to monetize. And, and the thing about digital images is you could see like a GIF or a GIF and you'd be like, okay, but like who really owns that? And what they're trying to do is allow you to get ownership of these digital goods. And once you get it and you would have to purchase it through the non-fungible tokens, but to get or to sell it, you would actually have to buy it through Bitcoin. So you would have, you can't trade it. Someone else would have to pay you Bitcoins to to get that that digital good and NFT is basically that that token that verifies that you own it and it's really changing the internet right now and the art world even the NBA is getting into it and instead of making trading cards they're creating these little memorabilia digital assets of like a dunk and somebody could buy it it's kind of hard to wrap your head around but this is something that's here to stay. And the question is just how popular and will it ever go mainstream? Those are the only questions uh, that remain. Well, let me um, let me translate that into um, something else that's a little bit more tangible that people might understand. When someone paints a painting, there is one original painting. We know that. We can touch it, right? Now, from that painting, there will be prints. So you can buy prints for cheap, but the original painting is the most expensive piece. The question has always been with digital drawings, how do you authenticate the original digital file as being the original, the painting, the Picasso, if you will? How do you do that? So it can be a photograph, it can be a digital drawing, whatever. How do you authenticate the original one? And that's what the technology is allowing people to do is to authenticate that image. And one just sold for like six million bucks or eight million bucks yes. or something. And, um, and someone has authenticated this image, so somebody paid for it. So now there can be duplicates out there, and they might be flying around the internet, right? It might be a meme of Cookie Monster. But the reality is, is that there is one original that somebody does own, which does create a whole conversation around copyrights, lawsuits, and all that stuff. But it would mean that those digital assets, somebody could actually just own it and prove that they own it. Yes, and I love your analogy because unlike painting, 
um, somebody may go, hey, I just found a Van Gogh that was like, you know, lost and he never released it. And for a long time, it was really hard to authenticate that. People would look, is it a forgery or not? And so that was a big issue. With NFTs, you can't forge it. It's, it's basically using blockchains to, to essentially validate that, that you do own that. So it's creating almost like a currency for these digital goods. And musicians are now using this as well. Was that Our Lady Peace, I, I believe, uh, has already tried to use it to sell uh, memorabilia and songs. So this is, a, this is a new way of exchanging digital assets online. And it's just exploded in the last, I'd say, the last couple of months. And I think a lot of it was with the pandemic, um, people being home and being behind their computer, wanting to kind of own stuff. And it's just taken the internet by storm. My only question is, Shane, is will it stick? Because it seems like there's going to be a flood of all these digital assets onto the market that it, you know, it's going to really tilt the supply and demand one way or the other. So it's going to be interesting to see if it really does go mainstream. But a lot of people are are doing it. Jack Dorsey, the guy who founded Twitter, sold his first tweet recently. I think it sold for like 2.5 million. You can own a tweet, Shane. That's the world that we live in right now you could wow, actually buy someone's tweet that's dumb um but the uh the <laughs> but the thing is though is when it comes to something tangible um that is actually a thing you know uh then i get it i'm not quite sure how a tweet's ever going to go up in value but i get to tell you some of the photographs that people take right and when you talk about a dunk like some of those photos of somebody dunking i mean that that one person who captures that one most amazing angle right then there's value there. I think that there's a thing here with that. I mean, the tweet thing, I go, but that's just me. Um, but when it comes to some of those photos, I think that that's quite remarkable. And, and I think digital artists is a big one because you can go draw on the computer and you can't tell the difference with some of the artwork today that's been done digitally. Like the, these artists are remarkable. And not to mention new creation things, too, that are still to come. Now, is NFT going to be the only way? But there's got to be a way to trade off digital assets. It seems very Star Wars of it to be able to trade off digital assets for money, right? You wave your hand like the Jedi, and then your coins all transfer, and then you get the the, the map to the Imperial you know, um, Death Star. So you get... Um, <laughs> Ryan shaking his head at me. I got that all wrong. <laughs> Sorry, it's not buddy. quite how it works. <laughs> I just let you down. I know that, but I'm imagining the bar with the, the aliens with the big noses, and you know what I mean. Like you get yeah, what I'm saying. You. So there's got to be a way to do it. I totally get but, that. Um, but, interesting but I, though. But Shane, what I find interesting about this is like you know, it, trading cards are one thing. Like you actually have it. It's tangible. You can look at it. Uh, with mm -hmm. this, is like you own it, but it's like. Where it's digital. So this is just a bunch of zeros and ones, you know, and yeah. it, and it lives on the internet and it, it, it's just, well, it's, not it's a, thing. a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a different way of, of looking at value because typically, you know, we come, we're old school. It's like you have gold, you have like a thing yeah. that is supposed to be rare. This just, it's a whole different mindset. But if you think about it, you know, we have generations who are growing up with the internet this makes perfect sense to that generation. So I think they're going to be the, the biggest early adopters on buying digital goods. Whereas maybe people of an older generation are just going to, it's just going to seem just nonsense to them. Well, this is also the generation that spends $2,000 on a pair of 7-Eleven sneakers. So just saying. 
Uh, let's keep this in context. Um, <laughs> that's, that's true. But the, the reality is, is that the, um, the definition of what is a thing most certainly has changed, right? Cause things are tangible, right? You can touch them. That's what we know them as. And you're right. This generation has come up in this non tangible. And if you look at the future of, you know, uh, augmented reality and all these, sort of worlds, it's possible that, you know, this world becomes more and more, our experience of the world becomes more and more digital anyway. And maybe those assets become more of a normal thing in those worlds. Um, I mean, that that could be it. I, I, I would say this, though. The, the reality is, is that, see, money doesn't exist. And money is a construct. That's all it is. Just like somebody's creating NFT trans, uh, transactions and Bitcoin and dollar bills out of polymer that that we hand off and trade in gold coins. I mean, money is just a construct. And so when we look at all of these things outside of just a construct of currency exchange and we get attached to it, that's when we start to lose. So um, if it's just a construct, nothing more than a construct, and everyone gets all wrapped up in, oh, emotion and buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. A dollar is still worth a dollar if you have a million of them or 10 of them. That's the, something that I think that doesn't change with this. At least I hope it doesn't. Because if that if it does, then that's when it all falls apart. I don't know. Yeah, I'm we've come a long way from soon. we've come a long way from like trading a cow for like you know um, a, a hen or something like that. Because that that's how it all started was just bartering, and then yeah. the currency came to make that easier. But now we're talking about stuff that doesn't really technically exist. It's digital, but you can still own it and. You know, digital culture is here to stay, so it might make sense in the future. It's just so new that for people like us, or at least me, even though I'm in the tech industry, I still have a hard time grasping my head around it because I grew up in the era of trading cards and, and having value on like comic books. But mm -hmm. for something that's online, that's, that's, a, yeah. that's, that's a different step. It's a whole, you know? it's a whole new world. Yeah. Uh, Andy Barrar, Handy Andy Media, throw out your socials here, buddy, so everyone can know where to find you. Yes, go to my website, new and improved. It looks so much nicer. You got to check it out. HandyAndyMedia.com. However, disclaimer, I'm having issues with the mobile site. You know, it looks great on a laptop. <laughs> Can't yeah. figure it out how to make it look nice on the mobile responsive, which is what it's called. So, But you can go there and you can follow me on Twitter. Oh, it is nice. At HandyAndyMedia. This is the Shift Podcast. Maddie, it's time to take it away, brother. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Ryan O'Donnell. <laughs> That's a me. No, I love hey. that one. Yeah, it's uh, how people refer to me all the time. So might as well live with it. I love the intros that uh, I get to play in this segment. And sometimes I see something so incredibly stupid, I just have to make an intro for it. It's it's almost like weird inspiration for me. And today, man oh man, have I got something stupid for you. Sometimes a company makes a PR decision or an ad campaign or anything like that that's so stupid, so ill-advised, so blind that the entire internet rallies against it in a way that the company probably never expected and that happened to burger king so this isn't exactly the tweet of the day this is like the oops this is like the i just died in mario this is like the we should not have done this of the day but it happened on twitter so let's check it out it's the 
of the day. <laughs> That's probably how all of the Burger King execs were feeling today. Burger King UK. Worth mo- noting that this is only the British version of uh, Burger King. Has apologized after a tone-deaf attempt at honoring International Women's Day on Twitter. The company started a thread of messages with a seemingly misogic, it was misogynistic statement about women. It's really, really frustrating to hear this, but here's some more from Global News. It began with a misogynist statement on Twitter when Burger King UK tweeted, quote, women belong in the kitchen. Uh, then it went on to say, if they want to, of course, the company added in a reply before trying to explain that it wanted to empower more women to become chefs with a scholarship. Well, unfortunately, that initial tweet exploded with many labeling it as a huge misstep. Burger King UK initially tried to defend the tweet, then about 90 minutes ago issued an apology saying they got it wrong and we'll do better next time. I believe that the intention was to have the follow-up, the context follow-up, because the first tweet was women belong in the kitchen, yep. and then the second tweet was if they want to be cooking staff mm-hmm. only equates for 20% of blah, 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 blah. Yep. Do you think it was intentional and a bad joke to frame it that way? It was Or was it, yeah? That's or was it a follow-up? Because no, the college... Sorry, I was gonna. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you, Ryan. But the the um, the college part and the scholarship part came like a couple hours later. No, it's intentional because they also took out a full page ad in local British papers that said oh. in giant font, "Women belong in the kitchen," and then in fine print underneath, you know, smaller, not as big, if they want to be. The idea behind this was grab the attention with a very very inappropriate and stupid term. And then say, oh, never mind, it's okay. This tweet happened as I was going to bed last night. And I'm looking at Twitter, and I see it. I, like, double-check. I'm like, am I on the onion right now? What's happening? And then I see the whole thread, and I'm like, oh, by the time I wake up tomorrow, Burger King is going to be canceled. Well, kind of. Yeah, that happened. So it's been confirmed that this was an actual campaign by Burger King UK. Uh, Now, it is worth noting that Burger King is setting aside money for a scholarship to uh, for women to pursue culinary education programs the scholarships are each worth twenty five thousand dollars in the u.s and uh that's pretty good like that's a good um that's a good scholarship so that's a good thing that burger king's doing but why would you promote it this way it's just it's just kind of shocking and really stupid but man oh man the twitter thread was outstanding yeah like like the phrase women belong in the kitchen is like classic sexism. Like if that phrase is the she loves you or I want to hold your hand of sexism. Like it's just like a classic yep. that's just been around for a long time. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like it's the trump card of a misogynist. You yeah. know, that's their card that they play. And it's it was very jarring to see that on the front page of Twitter and then do it but here's the thing they could have avoided this some way not properly if they had just put women belong in the kitchen if they want to be there as one tweet that is very different from women belong in the kitchen separate tweet if they want to be just misfire man i think if you turn it around you say we want more women 
um, working in our kitchens. So, so we have a scholarship for whatever. Like, I mean, Boom. headline grabbing and marketing is one thing. Um, but if there's a scholarship, you had lead the headline with scholarships for women chefs mm-hmm. or something, right? Like yep. $20,000 for, like, I mean, there's a lot. It's, it's grossly misguided. No, yeah, I was curious, grossly. Ryan, if it, if it all happened as a well structured thing. Uh, thanks for clarifying that. Um, or of course, because the, the scholarship tweet was still a couple hours later, right? Like, mm-hmm. it didn't come right away. Yeah, so they they did take out these full ads, which means that obviously this, I think they were maybe wondering like, hey, we'll tweet this and then let it sit with people and then add it or see what the reaction is. Who knows? Maybe Burger King's just trolling us with a social experiment. I don't know. Fast food brands have done stranger things on Twitter before. Yeah, it was quite the whopper. That's for true. Oh, dear. (laughs) Do you guys like Burger King food wise? Uh, It's grown on me a lot. I used to hate it as a kid. The breaker for me is the French fries. Mm, I don't so like good. the French fries. I, think, I don't think I, the burgers are good because the burgers are they taste really good, like flavorful good. burgers. Yeah, very. But I, it's the French fries. I can't do it for the French fries because the French fries are nowhere near. Like, yeah, I, I've always kind of thought, think thought that they were trash. But um, if I am in a sort of a particular mood or craving, then the matzo sticks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the matzo stick. Hey, the chicken. Uh, Chicken fries are yummy, and I whopper with cheese. Yeah, there's a there's a 24 hour. Well, I don't know if it's 24 hour anymore, but it used to be a 24 hour Burger King just around the corner from uh, from this building that I'm in now, in in downtown Vancouver. And man, it's just like the like epicenter of just sketchy people. And oh, any fast food man, 24 hour. That's a draw. Yeah, sketch. The and the staff. Like anytime I've gone to get a burger, usually one two in the morning the staff looked like they've they've been through a few wars <laughs> i'm sure they have yeah, i bet they I'm have sure they it's just have. in their eyes <laughs> onto more <laughs> yeah you can see it in their eyes the exhaustion Flip too many burgers that have been thrown onto the floor in a drunken rage now onto some pretty exciting news now this is this is really cool In the clip you're about to hear, you're going to hear some interesting little bits about some artists. But what I want you to pay attention to is about the last 10 seconds of this little pack from Jason Nathanson. Because a couple of record makers are now record breakers when it comes to music. And a ridiculous thing just happened. And it involves The Weeknd. Controversial country star Morgan Wallen setting a chart record eight straight weeks at number one on the Billboard 200 album chart for Dangerous, the double album. First time a country album has spent its first eight weeks at number one. Just after Dangerous was released, Wallen was caught on tape using the N-word and has since apologized. Also number one for an eighth week. You said forever. Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license topping the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart yet again. And The Weeknd's Blinding Lights is number three. This week marks a full year for the song in the top ten, which has never been done before. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. Yeah, buddy. An entire year in the top 10, never been done before. It's a Canadian, and I just think that goes to show how timeless that song is, and I don't think it's dropping out of the charts anytime soon. Nope. Unbelievable. No, Congrats, man. I, I, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. I mean, music is different in COVID, and uh, talk sure. about a great song to be able to serve, you know, be the uh, an anthem for people to have some hope works. Yeah, it's amazing. So back to things that are very unfortunate. Food is amazing. We love food. Everybody needs it. 
And I love getting creative with it. For example, me and my roommate are working on this burrito recipe where we just kind of jam as much as we can in and on top. And every time we make it, it gets more and more ridiculous. And that's fun. And it seems that Pringles has the same idea. I just uh, ate a little bit of Pringles Baconator flavored chips, which are really Ooh, weird. They're they're okay. They do taste like Baconator, and like you can see it on this can I'm holding up. It's got a cheeseburger on it, and it definitely is. It's not far off, but they have a new flavor, and it. I'm gonna try. Okay, Pringles' latest flavor is based on the Moa burger from the planet Reach. If you have no idea what the hell I just said, that's because nope. Pringles just made a chip based off of a food in the video game Halo. Oh, wow. Now, what is a Moa burger made from? An alien. So they, <laughs> Pringles mm. decided, I'm gonna tr we're going to try to make a flavor of an alien meat that nobody knows what it tastes like. Apparently, as you might guess, it tastes like chicken. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty uh, good. It, right? It, it's selling where else? Walmart, of course. It's at Walmart. Um, now, Halo Infinite, the new Halo game, w was supposed to release like last week, but then, uh, you know, COVID. Uh, so it's been delayed. So I guess they had been planning this and it's, you know, go with the game. You know, when you pick up Halo, get your Mountain Dew and Moa Burger Pringles. But now it's just a can of alien flavored Pringles. Uh, now this YouTuber, the endorsement was able to get a can of them and his reaction to eating them is probably what my reaction would be to eating them. This is going to contain uh, the meat from a bird-like creature that looks like an ostrich. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're dealing with. So I do not know what this flavor is supposed to be because it's not supposed to be beef, I'll tell you that. I don't know what to expect. I mean, it smells like a purple. That's different. Shows it with some type of slaw or pickle on it too. And cheese. That's a different flavor. I'm not sure I enjoy that. I am not sure I enjoy that. So we got pickles, we got coleslaw, uh, alien chicken burger. Why not? Welcome to 2021, people. But have you ever had like really out there chips? Like in Britain, you can get prawn cocktail flavored chips, for example. Uh, have you guys ever had anything ridiculous like that before? Um. I don't know. I've tried some of the, like the baked potato ones with sour mm -hmm. cream and bacon, like those kinds of fun ones. I don't ever find they taste like anything really. Yeah. It, they, they mostly taste like various combinations of season, like really salty seasoning salt. Like I, I got some chips once that were like ballpark hot dog flavored. And, uh, uh my, my wife tried them a long time ago and she almost threw up when she, when oh. she when she had them, I thought they were amazing. But I was also <laughs> eating a lot of garbage back then. Nice. <laughs> if you're gonna eat garbage, you might as well just throw all the garbage you can on there. But there you go. If you are interested in finding out what alien chicken tastes like, it just tastes like Earth chicken, apparently. So there you go. Can you live in a world where you can get Halo flavored food? Kick ass. Earth chicken. Never quite heard that term before. That's a new one for me, even.
Nothing like some earth chicken. Does raise questions. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.